Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Well, where's David Grubb? Is he here, David? He sent me this, and I thought I'd better share it with y'all tonight. A blonde lady, motorist, named uh, Kristen. No, I've just added that. Just, a blonde, a blonde lady motorist was about two hours from San Diego when she was flagged down by a man whose truck had broken down. The man walked up to the car and asked, are you going to San Diego? Sure, she said. Do you need a lift? Not for me. I'll be spending the next three hours fixing my truck. My problem is I have two chimpanzees in the back that have to be taken to the San Diego Zoo. They're a bit stressed already, so I don't want to keep them on the road all day. Could you possibly take them to the zoo for me? I'll give you $100 for your trouble. I'd be happy to, said the blonde. So the two chimpanzees were ushered into the back seat of the blonde's car and carefully strapped into their seat belts, and off they went. Five hours later, the truck driver was driving through the heart of San Diego, and suddenly he was shocked by what he saw. There was the blonde walking down the street and holding hands with the two chimps, much to the amusement of a big crowd. With a screech of the brakes, he pulled off the road and ran over to the blonde. What the heck are you doing here, he asked. I gave you, gave you $100 to take these chimpanzees to the zoo. Yes, I know you did, said the blonde, but we had money left over, so now we're going to SeaWorld. <laughs> Praise God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and we are continuing in this great book of Hebrews, and we have been walking slowly through this chapter. This is the master chapter, uh, this great, great chapter on the subject of faith, <clears throat> and um, hopefully Alex will be able to bring some of the points on the screen tonight. As I told you, this is our third week, I think, in this chapter, and I think I have 25 truths to get to you from just this single chapter. It's a marvelous, marvelous chapter, and uh, so we find ourselves at verse 8 tonight. Verse 8. Actually, let, let me go back to some of the things that we did cover. Faith is not governed by the senses. comes from, now faith is the substance of those things. Hope for the evidence of things not seen, as Jeremiah said tonight. Uh, verse 2 says, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony or a good report. That number two thing we learned is faith changes your story. Number three, uh, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So faith helps you understand, number three, faith helps you understand the power of words. You being created in the image of God, when you speak, things are built, things are created. Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, then verse four says, um, what does verse four say? By faith, Abel offered up a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Um, Oh, it's not up there. Okay. Then I'll make something up. A more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift, and he being dead, yet still speaks. Okay. Hey, thank you. Thank you. All right. Which um, we saw from that, that being that Abel gave a more excellent sacrifice, faith moves you to give generously. Okay, by faith, Abel did that. 
Verse 5 says that by faith Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Or he, no, no it doesn't. I don't have it here, I'm sorry. Uh, wasn't planning on going through this. Let's bring up the Bible on the screen, Mr. Alex, if you would. There we go. It was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had to, well, it was close. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he what? That he pleased God. But what we learned about Enoch, the testimony of his faith is that faith supersedes natural law. He did not see death. The law is men die. It's the law of the earth. You're born, you die. That's it. But by faith, Enoch superseded the natural law of death and just went on to heaven. Number six, um, uh, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Number six was faith actively pursues God because there is always something to receive from him. Faith actively pursues God because there is always something to receive from him. Uh, number seven, verse seven, talks about Noah. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith, or which is of faith. And what the seventh thing we learn is faith is deliverance or salvation for you and your family. For you and your family. It became the theme of the preaching of the gospel throughout the New Testament. You and your household. You and all your house shall be saved. Amen. So you continue to declare that. If you haven't seen your family all come to the Lord, you don't change your confession. Me and all my house. Amen. Salvation is for me and all my house. All right. Now we're going to get into verse 8 tonight. Verse number 8. Eight, and it reads, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Anybody ever felt like that? Yeah. All right, this, this next truth I'm going to get to you tonight is faith is a pathway of submission that leads you to your inheritance. Faith is a pathway of submission that leads you to your inheritance. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed God even though he didn't know where he was going. But he did end up at his inheritance. God set the inheritance before him and said, I've got something for you. And Abraham submitted to what God said. There's a woman named Brenda who was taken by her friends to go rock climbing. And she was a bit apprehensive about this. For one, she had never done anything about it. And she became more apprehensive as she saw this cliff uh, wall that they approached, this granite, jagged cliff. And she had been instructed in what to do. And so she thought, I'm here. I'm going to go for it. So she began to climb up with her, with her ropes and all that, had all of her safety gear on and began to scale this cliffside. And she got up finally to a ledge where she could, she could rest there at that ledge and take a little break. And as she did, somehow the safety rope caught her eye and knocked her contact lens out. And 
So she frantically began to search for this contact lens because she was very dependent upon this contact lens. It's everything had gone blurry for that eye. So she's looking on the ledge itself. She's looking on her clothes uh, to no avail. She could not find the contact. So she made her way up eventually to the top of the cliff and where some friends were waiting on her. And as they sat up there and they were waiting um, the other, the rest of their party to, to get to the top, she, she prayed and she said, Lord, you know where that contact lens is. And she said, as I looked out over the mountain range, she said, I thought, Lord, you created all of these mountains and you know every piece of those mountains. You own a, a, thousand, a, a, a cattle on a thousand hills. All the earth is yours. And you know every detail of everything that you've made. You see everything. You know where that contact lens is. Help me find it. And she left it at that. Well, once their friends got up there, then they began to make their descent. And as they approached the bottom, they were met by another party that was making their way up. And one of, from the other party said, hey, did anybody lose a contact lens? And she said, it was me. I, sure, I did. And sure enough, her, there it was. She said, where did you see it? How did you find it? He said, believe it or not, there was a little ant carrying it along. It's an interesting story. I, I, when, I thought, when I heard that story, it's a true story, and I heard that story, I thought about that little ant. What must have been going through his little mind? The Lord told him to pick that thing up. So he picks his contact lens up. You know, he's thinking, okay, Lord, I can't eat this thing. I probably can't even get it down the hole in the mound. So it's no value to me nor to my ant family. <clears throat> and it's rather heavy rather bulky to carry around, but I'm trusting you because you told me to carry it. God is calling you to an inheritance. Now, you're not going to always understand what he means when he's giving you instructions along the way, but just know that he's good and he's bringing you to good things so that you can trust him no matter what, even if it doesn't make sense to you. See, he has something to give to you, but my family, he also has something to give through you. I'm going to say that part again. He has something to give to you, and he also has something to give through you. You may be the recipient of the blessing yourself, or you may be the carrier of the blessing to someone else, or both. Either way, you are a partaker of his inheritance. Um, some, one thing, one story, one experience in my life that reminds me of this truth is that when Heather and I were, were just in the beginning of our life, our marriage and, uh, together, and we were beginning to grow as a family, and we weren't, we weren't making uh, really much money, and we were, you know, month-to-month -month kind of living. And um, we needed a, our family was expanding, and I needed a, a car to get back and forth to work because she needed to have our other car. She had kids and she was going to have to go places. And so um, we just began to pray and thank the Lord for a car. Well, lo and behold, a man at my church, uh, I came up to the church office one day, and he hands me keys to his car and says, the Lord told me to give this car to you. God bless you. And uh, I was really grateful for that. That wasn't the cutest little car, uh, but it got me from point A to point B. Uh, it was a gold Ford Escort. Dingy gold at that. But it got me 
to where I was going, and I was grateful to God for it. I'd get in that car, and I would just thank the Lord for it, you know. Thank you, Lord. What, a, what, a, what a, an awesome gift this is. And I enjoyed that little car for a while. And then one Sunday morning, one Sunday morning, we, uh, I was in church, and we had this girl come to church who wasn't really walking with the Lord. And, and when she came to church, we all kind of thought it was a miracle. Um, it, <laughs> her mother was praying for her fervently. And, and so she comes into church, and she comes in with this guy. She was always coming to church with some guy. <laughs> so this was a new guy, and none of us were really surprised. And he come, came in. And he had this hat on backwards and kind of sideways, you know, cocked over to the side. And he's got these gangster tattoos on and he's dressed out in all these baggy clothes and his eyes half shut, you know. And he comes in there with all that machismo. And, uh, and uh, so uh, her name is Karina. And Karina says, uh, hey, uh, Eric, I want you to meet Michael Sanchez, my boyfriend. I said, hello, Michael. We're sure glad to have you here, man. Make yourself at home. He said, thank you. And... Came on in, and they sat there, and uh, he just uh, <clears throat> was just chilling, you know, and just kind of watching the whole experience of church and acting like he wasn't interested, you know, uh, but he was there. But my dad was preaching this message, and something about that message got a hold of Michael. And by the end of it, Michael's sitting on the edge of his seat listening to dad preach, and it came time for Dad to give an invitation um, for anyone to receive Christ. And Michael raised his hand that morning and accepted Jesus as his Savior. It was an awesome, awesome thing. And we were so, I was so excited to see. It. And it was interesting because by the end of the service, his eyes were open and they had a, he had a gleam in his eye and, and he was smiling. And I thought, wow, what a, what a cool thing for Michael. And, and, and then so I walked up to him and I said, Michael, we're having church tonight. You know, might as well just go for it. Try to get him to every service. And then we have a Sunday night service. I said, Mike, we're having church tonight. I'd love for you to come, man. He goes, man, I can't come. He goes, I don't have a car. And just without even thinking, I pulled those escort keys. I said, now you do. Just put them in his hand. You know, inside when you do something like that, just a split second, you go, what the heck did you just do, man? <laughs> just gave your car away. But I did. I just, just, just gave it. I said, now you do it. He said, what? Are you serious? I said, yeah, let's go out in the parking lot. I'll sign the title over to you. And uh, I mean, this kid was blown away. He's like, you got to be kidding me. So I signed the title over to him, and I said, I want to see you tonight. He goes, I'll be here. Sure enough, Michael shows up that night. Well, the other part of the story is that Dad had a guest speaker that night. Usually when Dad picked guest speakers back then, a lot of these guys were in training, uh, learning how to preach or something else. And so we weren't always excited about having guest speakers on Sunday nights. Um, and this guy, this guy, Dad got, brought him there only because his pastor said, I want you to have this man. Dad didn't have any relationship with this man. And um, so the guy gets up to preach, and man, it was terrible. He, just, he couldn't preach worth a flip. And he was nervous, and he was, he was scatterbrained, and much like your pastor is on, on Sundays and Wednesdays, but just walking around, and he couldn't seem to get one thought on another, you know, and, and it just him hawed around, and that, I mean, we just sat there and watched this guy, and I'm thinking about Michael sitting out there and thinking, oh, man, this is not good, this is not good, this guy's never going to come back to church here. As he's preaching, I'm telling you, 30 minutes goes by, 45 minutes goes by. And at this point, we're all just praying, please, just end the service. Just 
bring this thing to a close so we can all go home. And he, and he walks down the stage and he points his finger. He says, you! And he's pointing right at Michael Sanchez. Stand up! And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and Michael stands up. And, and this guy begins to prophesy over Michael. And talk about what God has brought him out of and what he's bringing him into. And talk about that God had a call on his life. He said, step out on the, into the aisle. All of a sudden, this guy becomes this bold lion, right? Step out into the aisle. So the guy steps on, and this guy, he's a little skinny guy. makes his way back there, and he puts his hand on his forehead. He said, receive the Holy Ghost. And, the guy, and Michael goes, bam, just hits the floor, speaking in other tongues. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And then he goes around and starts just pulling people, just pointing out to people, bam, bam, bam. And that night, he, he, I mean, he hits like every ruffian in our crowd, right? I mean, everyone that's just barely in church, and, and he just seems to, and he's not, he's not, he's not calling them out for that. He's, he's speaking destiny over their lives. It was such, just such grace in the atmosphere. And then, didn't know any of our staff except my dad and me, because he had met us that day, and he walked, and he started pointing out people, and every staff member of our church he gave a word to. It was the most extraordinary thing. We're thinking, why didn't you prophesy 45 minutes ago? This is your gift. It was just an extraordinary night. And Michael's life was radically changed in that one day. And I thought, wow, that truth right there, that inheritance that God has for you, for you to receive or to be a carrier of it for someone else. And I felt like, that I've received an inheritance in that by itself. You know, if God said it, that's all you need to know. You might not even know where you're going, what it looks like, or how it's all going to work out. But faith says, God knows, and that's all I need to know. God knows. Won't you say that? God knows, and that's all I need to know. Amen. You know, and we should use common sense. By all means, use common sense. But let me just help you understand something, that God is not a common God. So you don't wait for everything to make sense before you move on what God tells you to do. He'll tell you things that won't fit within the confines of, this is the logical thing to do. He hasn't called you to live a common life. But a life of abundance, of promises fulfilled, a life of living in your inheritance. Faith is a pathway of submission that leads you to your inheritance. Let's look at verse 9. By faith he dwelt, speaking of Abraham, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, son and grandson, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. This next truth I want to get to you tonight is faith is always building for the future. Faith is always building for the future. Your walk of faith, your life of faith, your life is not your own life, but is to be demonstrated for those who are following you. You know, somebody is looking to you. Somebody is following you. Amen. Especially you mamas and daddies namely your children. Faith is the greatest legacy that you could ever leave. It is that gift that keeps on giving. See, God's testimony of Abraham was this. He said, I know Abraham, 
that he will command his children. That's an interesting way to describe how you know somebody. He said, I know Abraham. He will command his children. In other words, he will teach these things to his children. He will lead his children in the right way. He will do what God had spoken to Solomon to write down, train up a child in the way he should go. Amen. Amen. So God is expecting you and I to see our lives in such a way that it involves the succeeding generations. Because it's greater than you and it's greater than your lifespan. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's turn over there for just a moment. Everybody good? Yeah. Amen. Well, you could be a Dallas Cowboy. So, uh, but you're not. So life is good. I'm rooting for the Cowboys. I'm just, it's just sad. It's really sad. 2016. Woohoo! right. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. We're going to read verses 3 and, uh, 10 and 11. And uh, this says, According to the grace of God, this is Paul speaking, according to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. You know what Paul is actually saying? He's saying, be careful what you're teaching. All right, he's really talk, talking to those who teach the word. Be careful what you're teaching. Take heed how you're building on this teaching, this doctrine that I've brought. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, the message is him. The message is him. So we're all here today. Think about this. We're all here tonight because this man, Paul, was a builder. Because he was a builder. And, and we're all building on what has been built for us. We're all standing on the shoulders of someone else. And somebody else has pushed us up to where we are. And we're pushing someone else up. Amen. That's real leadership. That's what real leadership does. You know, some leadership considers themselves to be ceilings. But Bible leadership is a floor, not a ceiling. All right? The apostles and prophets are the foundation, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone of this thing. All right? Leaders push up. Leaders build up. They don't hover over people and control them. Hmm? Leaders build. Leaders build. Amen. You know the... Um, what was his name? Huh? Oh, I can't remember his name now. Pink Floyd. Not, Gil, not David, but the other one. Roger, yeah. Roger Waters. Didn't he write the song, uh, We're another, Just Another Brick in the Wall? We're another brick in the wall. We're another stone in this wall being built, and then we are making, making room for the next one to come up. You know, you can't see the future. Your eyes are limited to see only what is now. But faith gives you a, I don't want to head of myself. No, that's right. Gives you a vision that sees beyond this moment. Faith helps you understand. Faith helps you keep the future in mind always because it's the substance of those things hoped for. All right, it is the substance of those things that are hoped for. So it gives you an eternal perspective about your life. 
and, and it gives you a, a, a generational perspective about your life. Your greatest legacy is your faith to leave your children and your children's children. God, after all, said, after Abraham's legacy, God said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right, the succeeding, it's always building for the, uh, for the future. Amen. You know, Abraham had a father. Abraham had a father. His name was Terah. But this legacy of faith began with Abraham. I'm telling you that because you have to believe that it starts with you. It might not have been your legacy, your parents' legacy, or your grandpa. You might not have come from a, a house of faith. So it starts with you then. And you're building for your future. Amen. And your children's children. Uh, maybe those who went before you didn't live for God, but you can live for God. You can change all of that. You can change how your family goes by your faith in God. Getting His vision, which spans generation after generation. After all, His truth endures to all generations. Faith is always building for the future. Let's go to verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Isn't it interesting? I like the way it says that. It says she judged him faithful who had promised. What that teaches you and I, this isn't the truth I'm getting to you, but this is a truth, that you can judge God one way, faithful. You can judge God one way, faithful. She judged him faithful. And in the end, isn't that how it goes? Isn't that when you look at your life, and even, even when you think about, you know, look past your problem and your, and your present circumstance or difficulty or hardship, whatever it might be, and you think about, just, just go back and remember. Think about what God has done, how he's always been there. Yeah. Hmm? Always been there. Amen. Always been there to help see you through and overcome and move beyond and get past hmm? and heal up. And move forward. That's the kind of God he is. He's faithful. So she received strength to conceive. Faith bears fruit at every age. Faith bears fruit at every age. You're made in his image. And then the scripture says in uh, Ephesians 2... Let me start in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He made us to live fruitful lives. You're created to fruit good works. Amen. You're created for that. Since you have his image, you have his nature now, that's what comes out of your life. And that tree never grows old. What did David say in Psalm chapter 1? Uh, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord or in the word of God. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And the promise is, and he shall be like a tree 
planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. This is my favorite part. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper, which means it never grows old. Always bearing fruit. All right? Just because everybody else is retired. Hey, listen, you might retire, but your calling never retires. Huh? Your faith never retires. Hallelujah. You bear fruit all your days at every age. Praise God. It says that she was able to conceive. It's interesting that God had Abraham and Sarah make a baby at 100, him being 100, her being 90. And the scripture says that Sarah was barren, which means she was sterile, could not have children, but God looked upon that barren womb and blessed that barren womb, and she was able to conceive. So she had two things working against her. Number one, she was sterile. Number two, she was old. All right? But that didn't, that didn't, that didn't bother God one bit. All he needed her to do was judge him faithful. And he would show himself strong on her behalf. All That's all you need to do is judge him faithful. Regardless of your situation. And then Isaac seems to follow suit. Isaac marries a girl by the name of you may remember? Rebecca. Rebecca. Thank you. Isaac marries Rebecca. You know what the scripture says about Rebecca? She was barren. But you know what happened to Rebecca? She had twins. Jacob and Esau. And then Jacob gets married to a girl named Rachel. And you know what? Rachel was barren. I don't know what it is about these guys. But guess what happened? Rachel had babies. It's interesting that the men who walked by faith, men can lead your family. Listen to me, fathers. You can lead your family to be fruitful. You can lead your family to live a life of faith that produces no matter what the circumstances. Your wife can benefit and your children can benefit from it. Amen. You believe God and see what he'll do for your entire family. All of them were blessed. All of them were healed by Almighty God. I like Isaiah 54. It says, sing, barren woman who has never had a baby. Fill the air with song. You who've never experienced childbirth, you're ending up with far more children than all those childbearing women. God says so. That's the message translation. I love that. Lots of barren women in the scriptures. We remember another one by the name of Hannah. She was barren. And she bore the first prophet, Samuel, who was a prophet to King Saul, prophet to the nation of Israel, who had the school of prophets, actually. And Samuel was a mighty, mighty man of God. Um, and then there's the most barren womb of all, which would be a lady named Mary. That, that woman was very barren. Never had any seed planted there. You know, there's no, there's, no, there's no potential for a harvest if there's no seed planted. And God used that womb 
to bring in the greatest miracle, his own son. To some, age, old age and barrenness means that it's over, that the glory days are long past. It's hopeless or it's impossible. But to those who believe, anything's possible. Anything's possible at any age, at any time, in any circumstance. Faith, faith, faith bears fruit at every age. Amen. Can you take a little bit more? All right. Therefore, verse 12, from one man and him as good as dead. (laughs) I love that. One man and him as good as dead. Abraham had one foot in the grave. And yet... Him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Write this last one down. Faith brings abundant life out of that which is dead. This is a bit similar to Sarah's story, but it's, it does, there is a distinction. Faith brings abundant life out of that which is dead. Jesus Christ was a seed sown by Almighty God. And Jesus spoke of himself in John chapter 21, or 12, I'm sorry, John chapter 12. And he said that a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies. If it dies, it remains alone. But when it dies, it bears much grain, much grain. God sowed a son, a seed called a son, and that son reaped many sons. At one point, he was the only begotten son of God, but no longer is Jesus the only begotten son of God. Now, he's the firstborn among many brethren. Hallelujah. He brings abundant life out of that which is dead. The seed must die. And that's when God really begins to work is in that moment where it looks like it's hopeless, where it looks like it's over. And he says, let me show you what I can do. In that lonely, dark soil where that seed has seemed to cease. But no, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Death is just the beginning. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, death is just the beginning. It really is. It is the beginning to your eternal life. It's the beginning to your real life. It really, death is nothing to be afraid of, ever. As a, ever, Christians should never fear death, ever. Just all the thoughts that we think. I mean, how many of you? How many of you are excited that you're going to heaven? How many of you want to go tonight? I'm excited, but I'm excited down the road. What about tonight? Huh? I want to experience things. You single people, you want to experience things. I'll leave it at that. I want to have kids. I want to do this. I want to, I want to see the world. When you see Jesus, all those thoughts are going to seem so futile and so minuscule. When you look at him, you go, oh, you've been, you're what I've been looking for all my life. I mean, he is the desire of every living creature. He is He is what we're all looking for. The moment we come out of that womb, there's something in us that starts searching for God. 
Yeah. Men don't know. A lot of them don't know. They, they, find, they try to find it in other things, you know, in hobbies or in habits or in, in relationships or jobs or careers or money or stuff or whatever happens. And, and none of it can fill that place, that void, that searching, that longing. We're all on pursuit. As Paul was talking to the Gentiles at uh, Mars Hill, he's talking to all these philosophers, and he says, he says, uh, uh, if we could just, we're just groping for God. That's all pagan Gentiles know how to do is grope. We don't know, you know. We weren't even in this thing. We're just, oh, 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 something. There's something out there. So that they need to hear this message. Christ is what you're looking for. Christ died for your sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. Whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. Yeah. Glory to God. Yeah. And you know what's interesting about that gospel? The gospel is interesting. It must be believed before it can be understood. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. It must be faith always precedes understanding. But once you believe, it all begins to make sense. But in the natural, if you're trying to look at it from the natural means, it just doesn't make any sense. The gospel story, it's just like, what? But when you believe it, it all comes to, all makes sense, doesn't it? I've talked to you about this before. Water baptism, imagine, if you tried to reason that out before believing it. What the heck? Are you going to dunk me in water? Why? What's the point of that? In front of everybody? Why? Communion? Okay, I'm going to drink this blood and eat this flesh? What the heck is that about? Right? If you try to understand that here, it doesn't make any sense. But it happens, you have understanding when you have revelation. Right? And the faith is what brings that revelation, faith in God. How about speaking in tongues? Hey, I still don't understand that. I love it, though. The natural mind's going, you are crazy. Right? These things of the Spirit, but we, we can, we get this revelation by faith. These all died in faith. You know, if you die in faith, you don't really die. You go from mortal to immortal, from corruptible to incorruptible, from here today and gone tomorrow to everlasting life. Now, I have to stop there because we're going to get into some really good stuff starting in verse 13. I mean, this has been good. But it's just going to get gooder. Amen. Let's, let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, we thank you. Thank you for these wonderful promises that we see in the Scriptures. And what, what a life of faith can be. What the potential is when you've shown us all these examples in the Scriptures of people who, by faith, we're able to see extraordinary things in their lives. Able to exceed natural laws. Able to rise above their circumstances. Able to overcome. Able to receive what you promised them that they could have. Lord, I thank you that faith is the key. Faith is the way that we receive from you. Faith is how we please you. Faith is how we stay and live and abide in victory. Hallelujah. You're so good to us. Thank you that it is your goodness, it's your kindness that keeps us coming back. It keeps us renewing our minds and changing our minds. It keeps us wanting, wanting to be better people, to make better choices, to, 
to say better things, Lord. It's your goodness that does that. It's, it's not the law. It's not, it's not scolding. It's your goodness that does that for us. And we're grateful to you for your goodness tonight. Thank you that your mercy endures forever. David said, your loving kindness is better than life. Better than life. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and peace to be multiplied to my precious family tonight and those listening by podcast. Thank you, Lord, that grace and peace be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that your arm is not too short to save. Lord, we're never out of your reach. We're never out of the, out of the, the, the potential of your provision. We're always in your eyesight. You see us where we are. And Lord, I thank you that you always have a way to bring us up and over and out of our difficulties, our circumstances. You call us to overcome in every way. As your scripture says, Jesus always leads us in triumph, which means we win again and again and again and again. Forever we will win. Hallelujah. Because God is with us. Thank you now, Lord. Thank you now, Lord, as we leave from here, that your grace, Lord, will be with your people, that they, as they lay their heads on their pillows tonight, that they will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make them dwell in safety. Thank you that you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways. No evil shall befall them, and no plague shall come near their dwelling. For you are with them, a very present help in time of need. Now may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.